Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. And it says in John chapter 20, uh, verses 1 through 18, it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. Everybody say early. Early. This is important, what time of day she went. She went early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. That's gonna be my context this morning, but I'm gonna continue to read uh, to give you an idea of the story and the surrounding um, details of the story. And it goes on to say that she ran and came to Peter. And the other disciple whom Jesus loved, if you haven't caught that, he's saying whom Jesus loved because he's writing it himself. It's like Pastor Donnie is saying, yeah, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. John is writing about himself here, and he is referring to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. I think it's pretty funny. And he said to them, or excuse me, she said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And Peter, therefore, went out, and the other disciple And they were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. And the other disciple outran Peter. Well, he really thinks highly of himself. See how he's talking about himself? He's even mentioning the fact that he outran him. He outran Peter and he came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen and the clothes lying there. Yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen clothes lying there and the handkerchief that had been around Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again, meaning Jesus, from the dead. And then the disciples went away again to their own homes, but Mary stood by the tomb weeping. Somebody say she stayed. She stayed. She stayed by the tomb, weeping. And as she went, she stooped down and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when She had said this. She turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. I have read this scripture, if not dozens of times, hundreds of times. And that being said, I've never seen what I've seen this past week in this particular portion of scripture. 
I couldn't notice how Jesus chose to appear to Mary Magdalene first before on that faithful Sunday morning. By the way, Magdalene is not her last name. It's, uh, she's from Magdala. This is, she, they're stating where she's from. She's from a place called Magdala. Uh, everybody say Magdala. I wondered what the significance was behind that because the scriptures don't just say things to say things. It's saying something. And Jesus went out of his way to appear to someone who hadn't walked with him for an extended period of time, although she was one of the faithful disciples, but she wasn't one of the 12. And so I was really asking the Lord in my heart, Lord, what was the significance? Because Peter and John ran to that tomb also. Yet you didn't appear to them. You waited for them to leave, and you showed up to Mary Magdalene out of everybody. I actually was a little bit perturbed, if I'm being quite honest. I was a little bit jealous uh, for the disciples. And I said, Lord, you know, hold on. James and John walked with you for three and a half years. They gave up their comforts. They gave up their trade. They were fishermen. Some of them gave up their families. And you chose to appear to Mary Magdalene. What, you know, what's going on here? They traveled with him. They helped him run his ministry. They did food distributions. Fed five loaves and two fish to thousands of people. They ministered to the people's needs. They prayed for people. They cast out demons. They were dispersed two by two. They went and wrecked the whole city for Jesus and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. They walked with him. They talked with him. They were discipled by him. Why in the world will you choose Mary Magdalene to appear to her first? What a privilege it was to appear to her first. So I was asking this question to myself all week. Jesus loved these disciples so much that when... The crowds would go away after Jesus is preaching. He would describe everything to them. He would tell them what the meanings were behind those parables that were difficult to understand. They seen 5,000 people fed with just five loaves and two fish. They seen the sick healed. They would see leopards come up to Jesus and Jesus would lay his hands on them and their leprosy would disappear. They seen with their very own eyes cripples get out come up from the ground and begin to walk again. They seen the blind see. I mean, Jesus would take his spit and make clay and rub it in people's eyes. Some people have a problem with me just laying a hand on their shoulder these days. Imagine that. People were being healed. People were being set free. And not to mention the dead being raised and Jesus speaking into tombs where people were wrapped up, Lazarus namely, and he would say, Lazarus, come forth. I mean, these guys experienced Jesus, I mean, on the front row, they were in the splash section of the church. They got to see the good, bad, and the ugly. They got to see both Jesus' human side and his divine side. Say his divine side. So why in the world would he appear to Mary? Isn't that Mary of Magdalene? That Mary. Everybody know who that Mary is? We're, We're talking about Mary Magdalene of Magdala. The, the one who you, Jesus, kept from being stoned to death because she was caught by Pharisees right in the middle of the act of adultery. We're talking about Mary. Somebody say Mary. Mary. The, the very woman who Jesus cast out seven 
demons. Mary. You know Mary. Every neighbor one has that kind of Mary. Come on. Just look straight. I, I know, Jesus, that this would ultimately become one of your most faithful followers. And actually, the Bible describes her as possibly being wealthy. She funded his ministry. But I know Jesus isn't moved by money. He's moved by motives. So I know that's not the reason he appeared to Mary. There's got to be some other reasons hidden in the scripture why Jesus chose to allow her the opportunity. I mean, what favor to appear to her first. He had his main disciples that were there. Jesus had ample opportunity to show himself real to his disciples. Those were his disciples who bled for Jesus just about until crucifixion day, of course, then they ran. But these guys were his right-hand people. I thought to myself, isn't that a bit, uh, uh, I know the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 39, it says, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek turned to the other him also. But don't you think it was a little bit, Jesus, a, a little bit of a smack in the face to appear to Mary Magdalene over the disciples? And the Lord said, no, I want you to take a closer look. And so I did. I took a closer look. I want you to look closer with me. And I believe it was found, the answer is found in John chapter 20. I feel the Holy Spirit this morning. You don't, but you will. You will in a second. John chapter 20 in verse 1, it says this. Watch this with me. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away. Today, I want to minister quickly a subject called seek before the sunrise. Seek before the sunrise. Oh, everybody wants to show up on resurrection day, but not many people want to pay the price of seeking early before resurrection day. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning very quickly. And this particular scripture is underlying so many different facts about what rewards a person what, what awards await a person who passionately pursues Jesus, especially when it's inconvenient? And do you, do you know it has become a tremendous inconvenience to pursue Jesus? Do you know we're entering days where we, at the beginning of all of this COVID-19 thing, and, and I'm not just a COVID-19 zealot. I'm, I'm not saying I'm against all the precautions that have been practiced, but there, there's some validity in the, the fact that many of my contemporaries have been shut down for preaching the gospel. There, there, there's some facts here, and, and there's rewards. I have to tell you, there is rewards when, when you continue to press and to stay open. Come on, somebody say amen. Even when it's inconvenient. Amen. Even when they try to silence you. Even when they try to, because they're not, trying to, they're not trying to silence and shut down organizations. They're after the juggler of the gospel. Because you know why? Because the enemy's time is short. I feel the spirit on that. I feel the enemy's time is short. And so he's doing everything that he can to shut down the local gathering because God is in a season where the harvest is white and he's wanting to sweep people into the kingdom. But the devil is wanting to delay because he knows his time is short and he knows his destiny is ultimate separation from God. And so if he can, if, 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 our, if our country, if, if, our, if our government can go after the juggler, it will go after the, the health of society. It, can, it goes after the, the juggler of the voice of the gospel going forth where, where people will be saved, people will be set free, people will be healed. Come on, people will hear the gospel because the Bible says when every ear hears, then the end will come. So the enemy is not wanting the end to come, so he doesn't want every ear to hear. Come on, there's some things that you can't get watching online. 
Come on, there's, there, there's only a certain level of the anointing that you can get when you're watching through live stream. And I believe in watching through live stream. But there's something about how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For it's like the beard and oil running down the beard of Aaron. Come on. And that's what Jesus is showing in this particular scripture. That, that, that Mary, and let me just tell you this. Seeking starts before early Sunday morning. His faithful disciples, the one who knew him to be a miracle working God, as a matter of fact, they confessed he was the Messiah. When Jesus walked on water, what did they say? They bowed and confessed him as Lord. So they knew, come on, you, you believe that he can walk on water. You believe he's the Messiah, but you don't, you don't believe. They, they, there had to be, their belief had to be diminished because they weren't the first at the tomb. Mary was passionate. That's why she was at the tomb. And she was seeking before the sun even arose. And can I tell you, seeking Jesus, if you really want to see him, it starts way before Sunday morning. Or, or matter of fact, it starts on Sunday morning, and then it should carry you through the rest of the week. And there should be this pattern of seeking him early, why he might be found. Can I tell you that it is night? In the, and that's what Jesus said in his parables, that the night is coming where no man can work. In other words, we have to seek him while we're still allowed to. We have to preach the gospel while we still have a chance. We got to get the word out while we still have a chance. We Come on, we have to shake the powers of darkness encampment while we still can do it publicly. Oh, you don't think it can happen? It started happening. We didn't think that could ever happen. How easily we can be restrained to our homes. We have to work now. We have to preach the gospel now. Look at somebody and say, we have to do it now. We have to seek him early while he can be found. I want to think about the external context of this particular scripture. It was night. Mary was a woman. I mean, there were wild beasts in those days. I mean, she had to go trek down the mountains, around the mountains. That was full of thieves back then. I laughed because I was last night my... We have a, uh, a gecko, not a gecko, it's a leopard gecko. His name is Phoenix. He's orange, and I love him. He's great. He's really cool looking. But my wife, you know, she screamed. I thought something was wrong. And I look over, and she's trying to catch the crickets out of the little cricket box, and they're jumping all around. Sometimes they jump out. I mean, I mean my wife is afraid of crickets and, you know, I mean, definitely afraid. And I think about what courage it took. I mean, she must have really wanted to be near Jesus. I mean, she pressed past all of her fears, fears of wild animals, fears of being robbed, fears of her own life. The Bible says, do not love your lives unto death. She didn't even count her life, her life you know, worth anything. She just wanted to get to Jesus. And when you, listen, people talk about being tired on Sunday mornings, and I'm, I get tired too. I drink you know, I have to drink coffee sometimes. But th listen, when you're passionately in love with Jesus, nothing can keep you home. Amen. Nothing can keep you home. When you're in love with somebody, oh, think about the girl that you love or think about the, the children that you love. There's nothing that would, that would keep you in bed. If you love something or someone, you will pursue them no matter the cost. You don't count the cost. Passion doesn't count costs. Say passion doesn't count costs. Come on, is this too much for you? I, I talked to a local pastor, very, very good friend. I love him dearly. And I will not mention a name. 
I love him dearly. I respect him dearly. I love his ministry. It's super impactful. As a matter of fact, it's one of the biggest churches here in Orlando. And we started early on in ministry. We were kids. I learned much from him. I remember standing behind the pulpit, and he would teach me, and he would count how many times I said, um. I still say, um, sometimes. He took this class called Toastmasters, and he would teach public speaking. I knew nothing. I just knew some scriptures, and he would make a few of us ministers stand up on the pulpit in front of a few people, and I mean, it would embarrass us. And I remember how he chose me to be one of his right-hand men, and he, um, they would give topics as we would stand there. I said, um, <laughs> ha-ha, I still say um. He would stand up, and he would give the topic. You didn't have time to think. You had 60 seconds to preach on it. And he would, I remember the topic he gave me. He said, heaven, go, 60 seconds. And you'd have to preach. Amazing communicator. Holy Spirit-filled. Amazing man of God. We haven't been walking with each other, not because of just life. You know, he's running his ministry, and, you know, the Lord has us busy. I started a company, but I called him when the Lord told me to start this ministry. And um, I felt like the Lord used this. And because I really respect him, I called him, and I told him what my plans were, and to my complete surprise, I thought I would receive the greatest encouragement. I figured he would say, you go for it. It's in you, because he had said that at times, and believed in me very much so. And um, to my complete surprise, he gave me all of the reasons why I shouldn't start a church. He told me the dangers of it. He told me how difficult it is. He told me, you know, it's going to be very difficult for you to break 100 people. He, I, I, I hung up, and I, I didn't cry, but I, I said, Lord. And I just, I was so grieved. I just felt that wasn't the Lord whatsoever because I knew what the Lord told me. But listen, when God gives you a word, be careful who you tell it to. Because the enemy will use people to discourage you. Even loving, well-meaning people. They will say, don't start the business. Don't marry. Come on, look straight ahead. Don't marry this person. Listen to, the, listen to some voices. Not every voice. Be careful who you share your dreams to and your aspirations to. But when I hung up, I was so grieved in my spirit. And I thought to myself, I wasn't busy counting the cost. Mary wasn't busy counting the cost. It's dark. There's wild animals. There's people who are going to rob. Because passion, when you really love someone, when you really want to be a part of something, you will not count any of the cost. Your passion is speaking too loud. And so this is how she ended up at the tomb. And listen, people will always try to get you to stay in your comfort level. They will always try to keep you within the confines of your boat. And they don't want your boat rocked. But can I tell you something? If you stay in your boat, Peter, you will never, even though if you get only two steps walking on the water, at least you'll be able to testify at the fact that you stepped on water because not everybody can say that. So even if this church only lasted two years, at least I get to tell them I walked on water. At least I tried. At least I thought I was obeying the Lord. Come on, somebody say amen to that. She didn't count the cost. Listen, when God calls you, I can tell you this, that you can rest assured, you can, you can bet your bottom dollar that if God calls you to walk on water, you better believe that he will not allow you to drown. She didn't have to worry about her life. She was pursuing Jesus. As long as you're pursuing Jesus and not other things, you can bet your bottom dollar that you have angels encamping round about you. 
You have, you have angels around you to protect you. The Bible says in every way that you should go. Somebody say, I have angels protecting me. I'm not worried about the dark. So she wasn't looking at the dark. She was, she was listening to love. She wasn't keeping her eyes on the dark. She was listening to the lover of her soul, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And listen, if you really want to see the Lord at work in your life, you will have to press through dark times. You will have to press through the rejection. You'll have to press through dark seasons of betrayal many times and and of setbacks and heartache and pain and problems. But listen, I can guarantee you this, that all through your tears and difficulties and and your frustrations, can I tell you that the bright and morning star, it's just a matter of time before he breaks through the dawn and breaks through the darkness and shows himself real to you just like he did to Mary Magdalene. He will show up in your life. He will show up in your marriage. Come on. He's going to show up in your life in great and mighty ways and do awesome things. I wish I had more than three people that believed that with me. Come on. Say, God is on the brink of doing something. God is on the brink of doing something. Oh, you don't think? people? You know, I came from a church that it was always, if you believe enough, it's going to happen. But there is some validity to that because it didn't happen to Peter and them. She expected it. They didn't. Let it be according to your If you can only Your experience with God is hinged on what you believe he can do. If you believe he can't break you out of bondage, don't worry, you'll stay in it. I don't want you to. I'm here to help break you out of it. Come on, I'm here this morning. I'm here to tell someone and tell their grave clothes, let God's people go. Walk into your destiny. Walk into your purpose. Come on, if you can't believe it for yourself, I'm going to get your neighbor to believe it for you. I'm going to believe it for you. You're coming out of your grave this morning. So that's the reason Jesus showed himself to Mary. That's my simple exhortation this morning is because she started seeking before the sun rose. Jesus was moved by that. It's easy to seek him in the light. It's easy to seek him when it's easy. Because straight, like Dean said, straight and narrow is the path that leads to life. And there's only few who find it. There's only few. Only few find it because not all are willing to pay the price to go through darkness to find the light. And can I tell you, there is light at the end of your tunnel. Can I tell you, Mary, keep pressing and you'll find him. The bright and morning star burning brightly, waiting for you. And I believe that this morning he's waiting on you to pursue him before it gets better. Come on, I wish somebody would look at somebody this morning and say, seek him. Come on, say it with conviction in your eyes. Seek him before it gets better. Seek him before you're set free. Seek him in your addiction. Seek him in your marriage problems. Seek him in your sickness. Seek him while it's still dark. Seek him even though that hell is clawing at your feet. Keep seeking him because when he shows up, everything changes. (laughs) Your circumstance will change. Your marriage will change. Come on, when he shows up, it may not, it may not look like he's about to show up, but can I tell you, there is, there is miracles in your seeking. There's miracles in your pressing. Hallelujah. I feel the Lord. 
I ran into an old acquaintance Friday night. I went to a communion service. And this person is a man of God, no doubt. And as I was, was going to meet my brother and his friend at this communion service, it was outside, completely freezing cold. I mean, ice cold. Even, even one of the ministers up there was like, I'm only going to do this for about 10 minutes because I'm freezing. It was really cold, and it was dark. The temperature was dropping at a rapid rate. Um, so I, but I ran into this old acquaintance of mine. He's not, I wouldn't consider, I would say he's a friend, but he's more of an acquaintance. And I, I know him to be a lover of God. I, his lifestyle speaks of it. His children are serving the Lord. And I, I, he recently has gone through cancer. And I ran into him, and we just started talking. It was a long walk to the venue. And he was just telling me his last set of chemo, how that particular set of chemo, seven hours in a chair, it, it, it damaged, that particular one damaged his nerve endings, and it's causing constant pain. And I'd, I had a chance to pray for him. Now, I believe he is cancer-free at this point, but there, there, is, um, there is lasting pain that he's experiencing. And... And then his wife meets us. She walks into us, runs into us as I'm walking towards this venue. He was walking by himself at first, so she catches up with us. And, and she proceeds to tell me um, that her brother died that day as well. And so he's telling me his story about this nerve damage that he's having due to the chemo. She's telling me that um, her brother just passed that same day. And I, I asked him, I'm like, what are you doing here? I wonder if we seen Mary that morning, if we would have asked her, that just came to me. I wonder if we would have asked her, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Angelique? You're in the dark. It hurts. What are you, what are you doing here? You just lost your brother. You've just gone through chemo. You've got all these problems. And he basically said to me, where else can I go? Don't ever allow what you're going through to drive you away from him. Allow what you're going through to drive you to him. Because the, 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 the miracle lies in the fuel of pursuing him, of seeking him. That's why Mary got the miracle. Because she was seeking when they weren't. And your circumstances, listen, your circumstances will always try to talk you out of pursuing Jesus. Always. Your schedule will talk you out of it. It'll talk you right. My schedule tries to reason with me every morning. You don't have 10 minutes. You don't have 20 minutes. You have a wife. You have children. You have a company to run. You don't have time. And you know, then my spirit, even though sometimes it feels weak, says you can't afford not to. You can't afford not to. Because our strength, our ability to get through the day victoriously is hinged on us spending time with the Lord because the joy of the Lord is our strength. His presence gives strength. It gives encouragement. It equips me for the battle that lieth ahead in my day. His presence equips and it strengthens. I love what it says in Jeremiah 29, 13, and I am almost done. It says, and you will seek me and find me when? Everybody say when. When, when you search for me with half of your heart. Oh, 
Oh, it said all. With all of your heart. Why do we worship for an hour? You know when we continue is when I want to give up. You think I'm being spiritual, but I'm pressing. When my flesh wants to give up, I will give them the sign, keep going. When my flesh says, it's time, the people aren't engaging, you're tired, let's get through this service, I say, let's keep going. And, and when we keep going, when we keep going, he gets the glory because when he shows up, everything changes at that point. All I'm trying to get is for the train of his garment to just begin to move a little bit because there's healing in the train of his robe. You remember the woman who had the issue of blood? I, don't, I didn't want to go down this bunny trail, but I'll follow the Lord. Remember the woman who had the issue of blood? Many of you have heard the story. Everybody was pressing Jesus. I've heard this probably preached hundreds of times, but it's, 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 I feel it's appropriate for the moment because sometimes you have to press. There's sometimes we'll press too hard and then it doesn't seem like the Lord shows up. And then there's times we press and he rewards us. We just obey God and leave all the consequences to him. It's up to him if he wants to show up. Amen? But there's something to be said about the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years. I said she did everything to get healed. So all these guys are hanging around Jesus, and the scripture says, and I quote, and they were thronging him, meaning they were touching him. They were, I'm sure there were sick people that were touching him too. In Jerusalem at that time, there were plenty of lepers, plenty of people who were sick, plenty of people who were dying. So the Bible says everybody was thronging him, touching him, pushing him. And then he says he sensed that power or virtue went from him. And then he looked, and then a woman had touched the hem of his garment. Just a touch. Somebody say, just a touch, because that's all it takes. And so it says that he, she touched the hem of his garment, and her blood dried up from that very hour. She was healed. Somebody say amen. So, so what we're trying to do, what, what that says to me is that you can be around him but not touch him. There were plenty of people touching him. Plenty of people needed a miracle. Plenty of people needed a breakthrough. But he moved on her. Listen, he didn't even decide for her to be healed. It was her faith that touched him and pulled virtue out of him that in then turn healed her. So oftentimes, it's based on how much we press. How much we push determines oftentimes if he shows up or not. Oh, that's not true. We just read it in John chapter 20. Did you realize this? You know what just jumped out to me? She showed up to the garden or the tomb, and she looks for Jesus, goes and gets the disciples, brings them back. Jesus is still not there. The disciples then leave. Did you read that? They left, and she stuck around and continued to weep. Somebody say, stick around, and it's going to happen. She stuck around. She continued to press like the woman at the well. And those who decide to press through the obstacles... They will get the miracle. It may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow. But your press, your pursuit of the Lord in the darkest seasons of your life will, will ultimately produce a resurrected Savior in your life who has the ability to heal, to set free, to redeem to touch in a deep, profound way, to change the course of one's life, to change a mindset, 
to change a habit? Come on, to change a desire? And I close with this. Desire determines proximity. You ought to write that down. Desire determines his proximity. He walked with them. He loved them boys. They were his boys. Say, they were his boys for all my, you know. They were his boys. They were his confidants. They were the core. They were the, they were the, they were the, they were his clique. And yet he doesn't show up to them first. He eventually would. But he showed up to the one who had more desire than the disciples. You don't have to be a disciple. You don't have to be an apostle. Oh, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be any of those things. You don't have to be a prophet. But you have to have desire. And those who desire, Jesus shows up in his miracle working power. This lady supposedly was a possible prostitute before her conversion. Mistakes after mistakes, talking about baggage. Her bags were broken. And yet Jesus, in her brokenness, in spite of her past, shows up to her because desire determines proximity. How close do you want to be to him? I'm sure my family all the time wonders, why does he pray at... I have family members that come up to the house to eat all the time. Why does he pray? They think I'm going through the religious motions because I'm a lot more tamed and polished at home. I take it out on you guys. I don't pray because it's I go through the religious motions. It's because I'm hungry. It's because I'm passionate. It's because I want to see him. They beat me here to the church sometimes when they're worshiping and practicing. But in my heart, I want to be the first at the tomb. I want to be the first at the tomb. On this Easter Sunday, if you will, my old pastor would rebuke me for using the word Easter. It's pagan in its roots, believe it or not. I'm okay with colors. I'm even okay with candy. I like the candy part. But what really matters today is, is he risen in your heart? Is he risen in your heart? Do you desire him? Do you want him? Stand to your feet, if you can. I want to quickly throw this zinger at you and see who it hits. Woke up early this morning, 4 a.m., bright and early. I love just being with him. I just thought about that. I get up that early just because I want to be at the tomb so that the morning star rises in my day. Every, every day I want him to be the first thing on my lips, not because I want to be righteous. It's because he's righteous and he's worthy. And I pray that this morning that 
even prophetically, I declare and I decree that into every person, even as my hand. It's, there's no power in me, no virtue in me, but by the Spirit, I prophesy that the Lord will awaken a deep passion in each and every one of your hearts to love Him like you've never loved Him before. And that passion will birth a proximity to Jesus that you will have like you've never had, that you'll see Him like you never have, that He will rise up as the bright and morning star in your tomb. You will see him high and lifted up. Amen. Come on, say amen. As I begin to sit before the Lord this morning, I want to read this verse of scripture. I didn't give it to the media team, but I started thinking about this darkness because something similar happened during Jesus' death. Do you remember? He was on the hill called Calvary, Golgotha. I want to read it if you don't know the story. It reminded me of Mary being at the tomb in darkness. And, and it says this in Luke chapter 23, verse 44 through 49. It says, now it happened about the sixth hour. Jesus got crucified. There was, it was at the sixth hour and there was darkness over the earth until the ninth hour and the sun was darkened. Jesus had just died. Right when he died, the earth went dark completely. And the veil of the temple was ripped or torn in two. And then Jesus cried out with a loud voice and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And so when the centurion had saw what had happened, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd came together to that site. Now watch this. And seeing what had been done, they beat their breasts and returned. Now listen to this last portion of scripture. It moved me this morning. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Stood at a distance. And you know what I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me? He was talking about the women, talking about Mary Magdalene. She had forsook him in that moment of his death. In his, in his, in his greatest anguish, she forsook him. Because it wasn't convenient. It would have been dangerous for her to be there. You know what the Holy Spirit spoke to me? The reason Mary showed up to the tomb that Sunday morning before everybody else is she didn't want to make the same mistake again. She didn't want to make the same mistake again. Maybe you're at a time, you know, listen, mind now what matters later. You start figuring out as you get older, don't you? I wish I would have done this when I was a young one, a young kid, a teenager. Young people, mind now what matters later. This matters right now. Your eternal destiny is hinged. It starts now. There's people in this room that wishes they could go back and they could show up to the tomb. But can I tell you, in God's, on God's timeline, as long as you got breath in your chest, it's never too late. And you know what my prayer for is everybody this morning would get the revelation 
get the revelation and, and come to the place where you decide for yourself, I'm not going to make that mistake. I'm going to seek him now and not wait. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.